Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? Pray you are doing well. Uh, It's good to be in the house today. Good to be with you all. Uh, My name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here at Sozo. And uh, you know it's going to be either a really good or really bad message when the preacher needs three Bibles to get through it. Um, Trying to figure out how to do this up here. we are in the midst of a series through the Gospel of John. If you're, if you're guest here with us, if you're kind of just checking it out, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, coming and giving us an opportunity to, uh, to just share Jesus with you. Amen? Amen. That's really all we got. So um, we've been through this series. We've been kind of getting back into it after taking the summer off. Uh, some of us decided we didn't need to come to church for the summer. And so, uh, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> I kid, we went to church. Just didn't come to church here. Um, so you all did better than me. Seriously. Um, anyways, uh, we've been getting back into the Gospel of John. Uh, been doing kind of a, a recap, kind of jumping back in. And this week, we finally get to get to a new chapter of John. 18. Chapter 18. Um, and uh, hope you're excited because we get to go to John chapter 18 and get through a whole verse. Um, if you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 18, verse 1. We'll, we'll get there in just a minute, but John chapter 18, verse 1. Um, the reason why we're getting to one verse, and I just want to make sure that we get this, is, is there's a shift at this point in the Gospel of John. We've tried to highlight these as we've kind of come across them, uh, as we've made our way through the Gospel, that uh, John, the author of this Gospel, Jesus' closest earthly friend, uh, makes, some, makes some shifts in the way he presents Jesus's life to us throughout the Gospel of John, and this shift is is really a pretty fairly gigantically major shift, and so I, I don't want us to miss that. You know, if if you've ever kind of been uh, ever been on a, a road trip with somebody, or 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 how many of you did this? How many how many remember having to help your friend get somewhere in a different car before there was smartphones? Anybody remember those days? And you'd say, oh well, just follow me. Anybody remember the anxiety both in following and having somebody follow you? You're trying to freak out, like, especially if it's dark and at night, you're like, I think those are their headlights. I'm not sure if those are their headlights. That's kind of what they were shaped like. Right? The place you end up losing people most often is on the turns. You, you get lost. You, get, you, you miss the turn, and all of a sudden, you're going somewhere that you think you're going, but you're not actually going somewhere that you think you're going. You think, I thought I was going somewhere else, and the reality is you were. (laughs) And so I want to make sure we make this turn very smoothly, and we have all of us together before we sort of jump in and and, and sort of hit this very fast-paced portion of the Gospel of John. So, John chapter 18, verse 1, you all are there? 
Awesome. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Before we get to 18.1, go ahead and just stay there in your Bible. It's fine. We're going to read John 1.1 again and John 1.14 just to, to tie these things together. So John, uh, John again, is, is, is writing this account as a first eyewitness account of Jesus' life. John chapter 1, verse 1, he introduces us to Jesus. And he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the was God. Okay, now verse 14. Whoop. I messed this up. Verse 14 says, and the, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I want us to get those things together. One, one says, in the beginning was the, word. and the, word. was with God, and the, was God. Then it says that, and the Word. became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory is that the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You get that? Who is Jesus? The Word. Now I want you to hear John chapter 18, verse one. When Jesus had finished speaking these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. When Jesus had spoken these words. Will you pray with me this morning? Can we thank Jesus for his word? Come on, Jesus is the word, but he gives us a word in the scriptures. Amen? And we rejoice over that, that we don't have to wonder, wander, guess, or be speculative about what he would speak to us. We can know what it is, what it is that he's saying to us. So, so Jesus, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here with us to, to be our parakletos, our helper, our aid, our assistant, the one who doesn't just dwell with us, but come on, dwells inside of us. God, we thank you for the good gift of your word and the good gift of your spirit dwelling among us. And we ask, Spirit of God, that you would take the scriptures and make them come to life in our hearing. God, we confess, profess, and proclaim that we need you. We don't need moral improvement. We don't need behavior modification. We don't need to be better versions of our old self. God, we don't need education, information, or even, even God, we don't even need uh, to, to, be, to be different a little. We need utter and total transformation. So we come to you today, God, eager, anticipating, and excited for you to speak to us. And we ask that you give us ears to hear God, hearts to receive and feet to walk out your word. Let your word bear fruit within our souls that you might be glorified, that the world might have the, the deep groaning and cry of its heart answered in the revealing of the sons of God, that we would know who you are, that we might know who we are. Fill this earth with your image, God, through us, your people. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Greet somebody around you real fast and then grab a seat.
Amen, amen. Good to be in the house together today. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that uh, this is a, a shifting point in the Gospel of John. Um, if you're taking notes, I, I'm, I'm doing something I haven't done in, in quite a while, to be honest with you. Um, I all week had, I just want to be transparent with y'all this morning. Can we do that? Are we allowed to be honest in church? Um, I hope we're allowed to because I'm going to do it anyways, and I, I kind of like my job. Um, don't want to get fired. Um, all week, I had one thing in mind to share with you this morning. I was excited to get into it, into John 18, and dive into the first few verses, and I could not get over this first verse. It just kept hanging in my ear. Have you ever have that where, where just something like a song gets stuck in your head and you can't get it out of your head? Yeah. Right? It's just... it. it, it it was like that with this first, this first verse, and it kept pulling out of me some things that I felt like the Lord sort of gave me during the time away this summer, during, during Tainai's sabbatical for us as a church. Some things, like I, I've told you, I've been honest with you, a lot of what happened, the majority of what happened, to be totally transparent, happened just uh, in my own heart. It was just for me and Jesus, uh, but some of it, including what I'm going to share today, uh, really came out of, of something he shared that I felt like was for us, this idea that Jesus was done speaking. It's, it's the shift that I'm talking about that he made. And so, so all week I planned on one thing and la yesterday throughout the day, just couldn't get this, this other thought out of my head, shared it with, with, uh, my wife last night as we were on a walk and, uh, just said this, this thing's just in me, but I, I kind of feel like I have this other message already. And she encouraged me cause she's awesome. Four people here think you're awesome. I think you're awesome. Um, you're my favorite. You know that already. Um, anyways, uh, and she encouraged me to say, hey, if that's what the Lord's speaking, just go with it. So uh, th this, th this, is, this is one of those kind of thrown together really quick. So I'm telling you that, um, one, because if it's horrible, give me grace. And uh, two, uh, there's not going to be a lot of slides this morning. Just if you're, a, if you're a slide lover that you just love to take all the slides, God bless you. Uh, there's not going to be a lot. And uh, if you have a problem with that, you can just uh, fill out on one of the welcome home cards. And if you, the little gray bins on the edge here, you can just toss into there. Um, we'll get right to that. A um, few quick slides, though. Um, this shift that God makes is, is or that, that John makes in the Gospel of John is really Jesus moving from declaration to demonstration. Jesus has been speaking the, this whole time, and now he's about to show. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't do any work prior to John 18, and I'm not saying Jesus isn't going to speak any words after John 18. I'm saying the primary means by which he's getting his message across goes from being teaching to what he's showing. How many of you know there's a there's a there's there's a there's a point where you can you can tell for a long time, but eventually you have to show. You can read all the books you want on how to fix a car, but eventually you've got to grab a tool and get into an engine to actually learn how to do it. There, there's, there's something about head knowledge that gets you so far, but there's a, there's a need to see something. And Jesus recognizes this, and so he, he moves from declaration to demonstration. What I want to be clear about, though, is although his methods are changing, his mission is not changing. 
Man, this is so important for us to get. You can, you can, how many of you realize you can fulfill the same mission in multiple different ways? All pastors, my wife and I, and some of us are here on staff, uh, and some of our leaders just got back from a pastor's conference, and it's funny to me, meet other pastors, and, and all these different churches, all these different pastors, we all spend all this time, sweat, tears, thinking, thought, we agonize over mission statements, all just so we can say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? That's, that's lots of different methods, but the same mission. I, for one, am grateful. I know it's going to sound weird. I'm grateful. This is going to sound very odd coming from a pastor. I'm grateful that there are lots of churches in this town for two reasons. It's mark at sozospokane.org. I'm just going to preload this one. One, because I don't want to go to church with all the people that go to those other churches. And two, I don't want all those people coming here. Um, it, so I'm grateful that there's, there's other ways. I'm, what I mean, I'm really glad that my holiness Nazarene grandma has a holiness Nazarene church she can go to. And I'm really glad I don't have to go there. I did when I was a child, right? I'm glad that there are multiple ways to fulfill the mission of God. I'm glad that the family of God is diverse. Come on, somebody. So, so the method Jesus is using is changing, but the mission is not. His mission, again, Jesus, can't, he comes on mission, and Jesus delivers us by being and bringing the light of God into our darkness. Amen? He's been bringing that light. He's been bringing the revelation of just how good God is and destroying the darkness that seems to try to keep us from an awareness of the goodness of God. And he's been declaring this and declaring this and declaring this. And he's about to demonstrate it. And so the pause that I want to make this week, the, the, the kind of stop and ask, the, the, sort of, the sort of inventory I think we need to, to sort of take of ourselves, is if he is speaking a message, what is Jesus? Jesus is the word. My question is this. Are you, not we, are you hearing the message? I don't mean is the are the lost are, is, is your is your horrible lost sinful neighbor hearing the message? I'm asking us as a people, you as an individual, are you hearing that message? Are you hearing his declaration? Are you seeing his demonstration? And if so, what's it doing to you? One of the one of the one of the most consistent phrases that Jesus used throughout the Gospels is this little phrase, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who has the capacity to receive, let him receive. What, what does Jesus mean by this? I love the way Jesus uses statements and we so often in the church, we just read them and they don't make sense. So our, our default, come on, come on, let's talk about ourselves. Our default response to statements that Jesus makes that we don't understand is to just skim over it. We just think if we say it a lot, maybe people will think we know what we're saying. So we just increase our, our consistency with which we say something and we hope that maybe that will convey some sort of understanding of it. This morning I want to talk to you about what does it mean to have an ear to hear? Because Jesus can be speaking 
We can be hearing, but not have an ear to hear. Or maybe we can say it this way. Maybe we can have an ear, but it's not an ear to hear. And we could miss what it is that he's saying to us. And, and, and this is very common, I think, amongst Christians, because we just get so used to going to church. I know for some of you this is maybe a new experience and it's weird. Maybe it's new for the last couple of weeks or maybe this is your first time. Maybe this over the summer you sort of discovered this and you've been around. But for some of us around here, uh, we, could be, we could be aptly accused of being church junkies. Some of us have been around here a long time and it, it shows. And we can get so used to just, well, well we just sort of hear, we're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going, and we can miss the uniqueness of what God is trying to do in each and every season. We can miss the message. So I want to talk to us about what does it mean to have an ear to hear. Thankfully, come on somebody, Jesus teaches us what he means if we would just listen. So what I want to do is I want to go to a place where Jesus uses this term, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, and help us, I think this passage helps us understand what Jesus means. So we're going to go to a a very beautifully named book of the Bible, Mark (laughs) chapter four, and we're going to be jumping to some verses this morning. So if you, if you're a Bible flipper, I'm going to love that sound. Or if you have a smartphone, I'll just love the glow of the word of God on your face. Um, Mark chapter four, Jesus speaking here. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. It says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, this isn't, this is, he's not making clothes. This is somebody who's scattering seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much root, and, it immediately, and immediately it sprung up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds, everybody say other seeds. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said... He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Jesus gives this parable. We're going to get to it in just a moment. We're going to get to his explanation of the parable. But I want us to not miss. He's tying having an ear to hear with this parable. He's trying to help us get at what it is to hear something but not actually hear something. Because if he has to exhort us to hear, even if we have an ear to hear, come on, then there's a possibility, we have to be honest, of hearing and not really hearing. Have you ever been listening to a podcast or an audiobook, driving in your car, doing something around the house, doing some yard, we've got your headphones in, and you're doing stuff and it dawns on you that like five minutes have gone by and they've been talking in your ear but you haven't heard anything? Husbands. (laughs) Wife's sharing with you the deep recesses and secrets of her heart. Five minutes goes by and you realize you haven't heard anything she said. 
Right? It's possible to hear without hearing. It's possible to listen and not receive what it is that's being spoken. And so Jesus uses this parable to try to explain to us why it is that even his word could come to us and it not do anything in us. So let's go to his explanation, John chapter, or Mark chapter 4, verse 13. It says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Everybody say the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that it, it is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The one who, when, the, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Everybody say a while. Then when tribulations or persecutions arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things come in and enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I don't have time to unpack, di dissect, and exegete this whole thing. I, I want to I make one main point and then one sub-point to that point. Here's what I want us to see. Here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. This is this. If honestly, beloved, if we get nothing else from this morning, I want you to get this. Are you ready? The fruitfulness, 30, 60, 100, 0, 30, 60, 100, the fruitfulness, the effectiveness of the seed has everything to do with the soil. It's not a problem of seed deficiency, it's soil deficiency. But how many times, I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking about me. Y'all are awesome. How many times have I blamed the seed for lack of fruit in my own life? How often have my itchy ears wanted to go to something that sounded better, blaming the seed instead of looking at the soil? How, how quickly do I say, well, well, if somebody would have just taught me, instead of looking at the condition of my own heart. Understand here. The soil is your soul, is your heart, is the inner piece of who you are. So if there's, if, there's, if there's a lack of production, if there's a lack of, I love the way it says, it, growth or increase, we instantly want to jump to the seed. I need better seed. I, 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 need, I need to learn something else. I need to learn something new. I, need, I must be missing something. And, and in reality, Jesus here points out, no, no, the problem is not with the seed being sown. 
The problem is with the soil it's being sown into. There doesn't even seem to be, listen, I'm pulling a little bit here, but just track with me, and you can study it on your own. If you want to disagree, that's fine. We can disagree on this one. But he doesn't seem to say the seed, the soil that got more seed got 60 or 100-fold than the soil that got 30. He seems to be implying that the quality of the soil is the determining factor of the productivity of the seed. But how often have I blamed the seed? All of these soils that lack productivity have something in common, and that is that they're all hard. They're either hard because of things that have beat them down, hard because of things that have got down inside of them, be those things either rocks or weeds that choke out any life. So my question to you this morning is, how's your soil? How's the soil of your heart doing? If there's a lack of productivity, if there, I, I'm try, I want to be as gentle with this as I possibly can, but if there's a lack of transformational growth increase and, and, and fruit coming, could it be the problem is not with the seed, the problem is with the soil? If I'm still marching around the same things in my life, if I'm still dealing with the same issues I was dealing with five years ago, ten years ago, could it be that the problem is not the seed but the soil? I'm demanding new seed all the time. And all the while, Jesus is saying, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. I, I, I want to again. I want to be. Ver- I want to thread this very carefully. I'm not saying that there that, that within the the giving of the word there is not new dimensions of things that get taught and new understanding that comes. You, you tracking with me? I'm not saying that. But there's a reason why I pray for us every Sunday that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive. Because I know. I know two things are going to happen when I preach. I'm going to say something stupid. I love that the only person laughing is one of my elders. Because um, she loves me. I'm going I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna, look, look, Proverbs promises. It says where, where, where speech abounds, sin abounds. So I'm guaranteed if I'm going to get up here and talk for an hour, I'm going to say something dumb that's going to offend somebody. And I don't mean it to, but it's going to happen. Some of you have emailed me and told me like, no, that's why I come. It's fun to watch. Um, I, I, it's fun to watch you say dumb things. Um, I know I'm probably going to say something I don't mean to say, and I'm, I'm going to say something stupid. And also, God's going to speak in the midst of even the dumb things that are being said. And I want to make sure, why I pray, it's not out of repetition, it's not out of religion, it's not out of uh, habit or hang-up. It's because every Sunday as I stand up here, in my heart is, Lord, let us receive, me included, let the soil of my heart be receptive to the seed that you're sowing. Because I know if, if there's going to be fruit here, I know the seed's good. Come on. I know the seed of his word is good. Stupid stuff I say, that's questionable. The seed of his word, come on. That's good. And I don't want it to be wasted. 
How's your soil? Is your heart, I want to, I love you too much to not ask these questions. Has your heart become hard? Are there areas that, that you've just closed yourself off to? There's another example of hardness within the scriptures of that calloused, hard heart. And it's this idea of leprosy. Now, I, I want to I have to just take a second and put on my Bible teacher hat for just a minute here. Leprosy in the, in the scriptures is literally just a catch-all term for a whole host of skin abnormalities and issues. Um, literally, the, the, the term in, in Hebrew was used as just like kind of a junk drawer for everything from hives to rashes, but would ultimately come to be understood as this infection that happens within the skin that what would take place is the skin would become hard and blistered and lose, catch this, lose its ability to feel. And so some of you know, if you've hung around the church, you've heard about lepers that would lose their fingers and lose their hands and arms and limbs and toes would begin to fall off. The reason for that is not so much because of the infection causing them to rot off. It's because they lose the ability to feel, therefore they cut themselves, hurt themselves, bruise themselves, they have no feeling of it, and so their body doesn't respond to heal that thing, instead it just sort of lets it fluff off. And I think this is a perfect example of what happens to us, come on, to me, in my own heart, when I allow hardness, come on, to sneak in. I become numb. I become resistant to the very thing that's trying to get in to transform my heart. What does the hard soil need? It needs to be softened. Well, one of the best ways to soften soil is to put some seeds in it, let the roots go down and soften it, but if the seed can't get into the soil, something has to take place to soften the soil. So what I want to do this morning is I want to go to a, a story, and I could have, we, we could look to him with this message. Elijah's like, I ain't even got time for you. <laughs> Not interested. Here's the message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. But he say seven times. <laughs> Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. Pause. If the only, no, 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 no. If your default emotion is anger and frustration, if your, if your basic walk is stalking, that's an indicator there may be some numbness there. If the only emotion you seem to be able to have quickly is anger and frustration, who am I talking to this morning? You might, I'm not numb. Problem's not with my heart. It's angry. He stalks away. I love it. I love the Bible. I thought he would surely come out to meet me. 
I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy. Call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. I'm fine with being healed as long as it happens my way. I'm more than happy to have a soft heart as long as it doesn't make me do anything I don't want to do. I want my tears back, I just don't want to cry. I expected him to, I just loved it, wave his hand. Verse 12, aren't the Abana River and the Farpar River of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? I don't need what anybody else has. I have everything I need myself. Tell me I'm numb and have a hard heart. I'll tell you, you're numb and you have a hard heart. I'll show you numb. <laughs> I had a teacher in Houston, Texas once where they still believe in beating children. I was mouthing off to her. This is when I discovered that I have the gift of sarcasm. And I don't remember what I said, but I remember what she said. She looked at me and she said, I will beat you till you can't feel it anymore. <laughs> I shut right up. Um, aren't the Abana River and the Farpar River? of Damascus better than all the rivers in Israel put together. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. What's his default emotion? Anger, frustration, rage. This is all he knows how to do at this point. Just frustrated. He's just angry. Oh, man. But his officers tried to reason with him. Come on, how many of us know we need people around us that in our frustration and rage, in our numbness, even when, get this, these guys are about to argue with the master. He had every legal right to kill them. And they were still willing to come and say, hey, I think you have a problem here. Oh, that we would have friends in our lives willing to say, hey, hey, I know you're angry, and I know you can get mad at me, and I know you can even hurt me, but you know what? I'm still willing to try to plead with you. They pleaded with him saying, I love this. Sir, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So you should surely obey when he says simply to go and wash and be cured. I, I, I don't want to uncover anybody and I don't want to make anybody who's come to me for counsel ever feel, feel like I'm, I'm talking about you publicly. I'm not naming any names. I'm not saying this. But, but the number one frustration for me as a pastor, as, a, as, a, as a, one who offers biblical counsel to people, is the pushback I get 97.625% of the time. I've done the math. Um, you know, Abraham Lincoln said 93% of all statistics and 42% of all quotes on the internet are made up. Um, most often, you come to me with frustration, issue. We go to the scriptures, we say, well, th this, is, this, is what, this is what the spirit of the scriptures would say to do. And the number one pushback I get is, no, no, that's too simple. I want it to be more complicated. 
Why? Because I, I believe, this is pure speculation, and I'm gonna look at the ceiling so I don't look at anybody who I've said this to. Um, if it's hard and complicated and I mess it up, then it's the fault of it being hard and complicated that it didn't work. But if it's simple, then the problem's not the seed, the problem's the soil. They say, listen, man, if, if they had told you to go do something complicated, you'd have done, if it would have been climb the highest mountain and find the, the, the flower up there and pull, pick it and climb back down barefoot over the jagged rocks and then grind it into a paste and pour it into water and then splash it in your eyeballs and then bounce on one leg and then throw a hoop through a ball and you'd have done all that stuff. But all he told you to do is go get in the water. And you're not going to do it? Can you hear the frustration in the voice of his friends? I can. Just, just go do it. Verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his flesh became as healthy as a young child's, and he was healed. Naaman has a problem. Naaman's numb. Naaman can't feel, and that numbness and feeling is turning into blisters and sores and causing him to lose his ability. For a while, sure, he could be a warrior and still be effective. Sure, for a while, he could still pull it off, but it's getting to a point now where that can't happen. So he goes looking for help. He hears about Yahweh. He hears about God. And he goes, and the simple instruction is go dip in the Jordan seven times. But see, the problem, I think, was this. And I'm speculating here a lot. So you can disagree, that's fine. But I'm just, just track with me. He was a warrior. What do warriors wear? Armor. What does armor cover up? Leprosy. He's got all of his horses and chariots. They're carrying all this stuff. He brought his entourage with him. And now I have to go down to the river. And I have to show all these guys everything I've been hiding. How's your soil? Can I tell you the only way to soften the soil is with the water? Is to be baptized in it consistently, repeatedly, over and over again? But if the water's going to get to where the hardness is, some of us around here are going to have to take the armor off and admit 
even though I'm this, even though I'm that, even though I'm successful, even though I'm on staff, even though I'm an elder, even though I'm a leader, even though I do this, even though I serve, even though... There's some hardness here. There's some leprosy that's taken root. Interesting side note fact I found out. When these kind of disorders would happen, if he were to have put the armor on, armor rubs. So your body responds to that by making it hard. Well, if you have leprosy, it makes it hard and then it bleeds and cracks. So the very thing that was intended to try to help you ends up harming some willingness. It's going to take some effort. It's not a, it's not a complicated thing. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not complicated, but it's real hard. I have to take the armor off. Second part that's hard. How many times did he tell him to dip in the river? Now, we don't know. I looked it up. There's no clarity in the text as to whether this was a, some, some scholars believe it was a seven times once a day for seven days. Some believe it was just walk out in the water and, you know, kishploosh, 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 you know, they don't know. It's a Hebrew term. Um, some think it was, you know, maybe three times. We don't know. We just know it was seven times. Here's something else we don't know, but I'm going to tell you my opinion and try to make you agree with me. <laughs> we don't know which time healed him. We don't know. Some, some scholars say he dipped the first time and he got a little better and he dipped the next time and he got a little better and he dipped the next time. That's, most scholars, that's what they teach. Most most commentaries and, and people, that's what, as I read through, that's what they said. Every time he got a little, listen, I've heard this text preached before. You probably have too. And I've heard it that way. Every time he dipped, he got a little bit better. Can I tell you, I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I don't, I don't, this is just, this is my speculation, but just track with me and see if this tracks with you in what we know of how God works. I don't think Jack diddly squat happened the first six times. I don't think anything happened. I think, he, I, think, I, think he, I think he took his armor off. I think he got embarrassed. I think he hopefully learned by taking his armor off that, you know what? These men around me love me. And they're loyal to me. And even in my vulnerability and even in my pain, they're still here. And he walked out into the water and he dipped and he came up and he walked to the banks and his men said, are you any better? And I think he looked and went, nope. Still the same, still numb, still angry, still wish I could just go to my own rivers, by my own house, where I didn't have to be embarrassed, and I could have just done this in private. Are, are you, are you, are you going to go back in tomorrow? What choice do I have at this point? Why do I think this? <laughs> because Jericho didn't fall a little every time the Israelites went around it. It didn't fall the seventh time they went around it. On the seventh day, they were marched once a day, every day for seven days, but on the seventh day, they marched seven times around the wall. It didn't fall, it didn't fall a brick at a time. Listen, this, this, I just know my God. Here's what he does. Go bathe seven times, and you go the first time, and nothing happens, and there's your test. This doesn't seem to be working. 
Nothing seems to be happening. I'm still stuck just like I was. You keep telling me that God is Abba and Abba is Agape and I am Agapitas. I am loved by him. But guess what? Nothing seems to be changing. I'm still struggling with the same crap I was struggling with before I got in that water. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just dunk again. Second day, walks out into the river, dunks under, comes back up. Still got all the same leprosy spots. Elisha. Rude Elisha won't even come out and meet me. Why the Jordan? Why can't I just do this at home? Do you know how significant the Jordan is? I don't think it's by chance that he said the Jordan. The Jordan was the place of crossing over. The Jordan was the place Jesus is baptized. Matthew 3. 16 through 17, back in the good version of the Bible. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I like, I like Luke. I like Luke because he makes it personal. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. I'm just going to throw this out to you real fast. Could the thing that you and I need to heal the numbness is continual, repetitive, consistent baptism into that? You are my Beloved, I taught you this word last week. Greek word for beloved is agapetas. My favorite Greek word. Agapetas. It means favored and favorite. You are my beloved. I'm well pleased with you. But I'm still struggling with this. And I can't get over this. And I keep falling into this. You are are my beloved. I'm well pleased with you. But I keep, I can't feel anything. I don't feel, I don't know. You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. I haven't done anything for you. I haven't accomplished anything. I haven't beaten this thing. I haven't done that. I haven't done, I haven't, I, you are my beloved in whom I am well Please say something else to me. The problem's not the seed. The problem is the soil. Dunk again. It didn't do anything last time. I've done this six times. It hasn't done anything. I'm not doing it again. Move on, preacher. I want to hear something else. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. If Abba felt it good... For Jesus to hear that, how much more do you and I need to hear it? Understand, seven in the scriptures does not mean seven. Seven means completion. So how many times do I need to hear that? Until it's completed in me. Until nothing within me believes anything else but that he's Abba, because how can he be, I be son if he's not father? He's Abba. Abba is agape. And I am agapetas. 
He's well pleased with me. But I haven't, I, I, I'm still screaming. I'm, he, I still am so conceited that if the person in front of me in the fast lane is going slower than me, they need to die. They are clearly not intelligent enough to live because this is the fast lane and they're going slow. Here's the depth. If the person behind me is going faster than me, why are they a maniac? They don't need to drive that fast. Come on, that's a stupid example, but you track with me. How can it be well, well pleased with me? I, I, haven't, I haven't climbed the highest mountain. I haven't achieved all this stuff. I haven't done all the. You realize that when this was proclaimed over Jesus, he'd done nothing supernatural or spiritual yet. This is what we need to be baptized in over and over. Come on. And over and over and over. That's why I don't mind running out of breath every Sunday telling you, you are beloved and he is Father. Because I know the work that that will do in you can't be done any other way. And if you're here saying, hey man, that doesn't really, doesn't really resonate with me, I, I hope you can hear me say this without any sort of, sort of trying to self-promote it all. The problem's not with the seed. The problem's with the soil. How can I say that? I've been living in that revelation for over five years, hearing it whispered to me every day by Abba, and never have I gotten sick of it. You want to know if there's numbness? Are you sick of hearing that he loves you? Because once the numbness is gone, you'll never get sick of hearing he loves you. And you'll discover that all of the other garbage in your life is a result of you trying to find the love somewhere else that can only be found in him. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus is about to go from declaring the love of God to demonstrating the love of God. And if the declaration hasn't made you uncomfortable yet, get ready. The demonstration is brutal. And I don't want us to miss that message. He is particularly fond of you. I don't have time to go to Hebrews. We were going to go to Hebrews. I don't have time to go to Hebrews, so I guess I just brought the third Bible up here for nothing. Um, I'll give it to you as homework. Write this down. If you, if you, if you need to baptize in this, I'm, I mean this. I don't have time to get here. Don't ask me to. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7, through Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. Really, Hebrews 3 and 4. <laughs> Knock yourselves out. Um, Y'all do realize that you have permission to read ahead in the book, right? Um, <laughs> 
here, here's, what, here's, what I, here's what I want you to, to, to try to grasp if you can as you look through this. I need you to understand that the Jordan the Jordan was the place where the people of God crossed over. They had gone through they had gone through track with me the Red Sea baptism but where they needed to go go to was the land of promise. And for too many of us when I say we need to be baptized into this agapetos identity, we think that I'm saying that we need that for the sake of salvation. You, you can be as saved as you want to be and never know you are agapetos. Let's just make sure we, we get emails this week. We fill churches and stadiums with Christians who are genuine, converted, saved, that don't know their agapetas. See, they came out of Egypt, and that baptism was about getting them out of something. You tracking with me? The next one is about getting them into something. And I do not yet have permission from the Father to talk to us about where we're going. But I can tell you this, we can't get there without being baptized into the revelation that you are the beloved and with you he is well pleased. You're not going to get there by fixing your marriage. You're not going to get there by changing your diet. You're not going to get there by serving, all those things. We're going to get there by knowing, being baptized over and over and over and over and over. And it's not working. Do it again. And it's not working. Do it again. But I thought it would be increasing. No, no, that's not the way it works. Just keep doing it. So they couldn't get into the promised land without going through the Jordan. So I'd encourage you to dive into Hebrews. If you got the Passion Translation, that's what I was going to read to you in this morning, so you'll, you'll feel like you didn't miss anything. Um, if you have a problem with the Passion Translation, God bless you. Um, I, but I just, I just want to go back. I just want to go back. Can we go back? How's your soil? How's your soil? Beloved, how's your soil? How's your soil? I care too much about us to just have church services. How's your soil? Is there hardness? Is there, has discouragement? Has disappointment? Has just, come on, just the pounding feet of daily life beaten down the soil of your heart to where it's so hard that, you know what, the word gets thrown out and Satan instantly can just come and... Nothing changes. I'm so passionate about this because I see, I hear. You come and you talk to me and you share. And this, the testimonies come in of the people that it is happening to. The seed is going down. It is finding soil. It is doing transformational work. It is producing. We see the fruit around here. Come on, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And, and what I worry about is this. You see other people. Come on, 
with, with, with fruit popping up and you go, well, why is that not happening for me? Can I humbly, graciously, and in all loving compassion say, the problem's not the seed. The problem's the soil. And, and here, here's, here's the liberation part of that. You don't need more seed thrown at you. I'm not telling you, rewind on the way, way back machine and listen to every message we preached on John this whole time. I'm saying we need to let the water, come on. We need to be baptized. Come on, we need to be baptized. Not once, not twice, but completely. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Until that doesn't make you uncomfortable. It'll start, if you're numb, it'll, it won't make you uncomfortable. <laughs> and eventually you'll keep hearing it, and it'll start making you uncomfortable. And until it gets back to the place where it doesn't make you uncomfortable, it becomes the only source of comfort in your life. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm landing the plane here, I'm landing the plane here, and I'm just going to, again, this is just a Sunday to get in trouble. I, I mean... I, I, I love other pastors. I do. Some of my best friends are other pastors. I love, I love other churches. I love getting to go visit other churches. I love the, the, the opportunities where friends will ask me to come and speak at their church or they worship the church, and I love, I love the diversity. I already mentioned this, right? Love the diversity of the church and the house and the family of God. But can I tell you something that God made very clear to me as we were away this summer? As we went to other churches and had wonderful experiences at other churches, and they were great churches filled with people who love God, led by pastors who love Jesus and are hearing him and leading their church where God is calling them to lead their church. Am I caveating this enough? Here's what I didn't hear anywhere I went this summer. You are my beloved son, and in you I'm well pleased. And I'm not getting off that hill to go run to another hill. This is where we are. This is this house. It's a river. Come on. For you to be baptized and baptized and baptized into this one message. He is Abba. Abba is agape. And you are his agape does. Let's stand to our feet. I want to just do something we don't do a whole lot around here, but I think it's appropriate this morning. Um, we're going to go old school. We, we, we believe in response here. We believe that when we hear the word of God, it is right, good, just, and appropriate for us to respond. Amen? Yeah. We, think we, we, we think we should respond verbally as the preacher preaches. Yeah. White people. Um, We also believe that after we have heard the word, we ought to respond to what we have heard. So we, we have sort of set out some ways for us to respond. We respond through celebration, contemplation, and communion. We're going to celebrate. We're going to worship. We're going to praise Jesus. Amen? We're going to contemplate. We're going to let God take the, the seed, come on, and the water and work it down into the soil. We're going to let ourselves get baptized in his love this morning. And communion, we commune one with another. We have a prayer ministry team over here by the cross. They'd love to pray for you. Communion in the Lord's table as we take uh, the bread and the cup and partake. We have stations set up up here. 
We're working on adjusting that, have some new fun stuff coming for you here in the future. But for now, we got some tables. We take by method known as in teaching where we take a piece of bread or gluten-free wafer if you need it, dip it in the cup and partake. Tables are open to all who put their faith in Jesus. You don't have to agree with my theology. You don't have to like our church. You can think our worship's whatever. doesn't matter. I was going to say too loud, but we didn't have a drummer this morning. Um, we would just invite you to partake of the family meal with us. But here's, here's what I want to do, and I want to I encourage us here for a moment if I can. I pray that the, the length of today's service is not going to stop you from this. I want to give you an opportunity today in this place surrounded by people who love Jesus and are called to love one another to do the scary, dangerous, uncomfortable thing of taking the armor off and getting into the water. And here's what I know. I know that all the numb people in the room, and I trust that there are some because the Lord gave me this word, and if, if I'm preaching to nobody, I am above all people to be pitied. Um, this, is my, this is my struggle. I know that I know what it is to be numb. I know what it is to be hard-hearted. And I know what it is to have someone get up and say, if you are that way, do this. And have my heart go, forget you. <laughs> I'll do anything but that. And that's why I love Naaman. That's why I love Naaman. He responds the way I respond. I wanted it to happen this way. So I know that what I'm about to ask you to do if you are hard-hearted is probably going to be done by a people who are slightly hard-hearted, but not the ones who actually need it. But I'm going to just plead with you one more time to do it anyways. And that is to take off the armor and get in the water. And I want to encourage you to do that not in your seat today. Because you've done it in your seat every Sunday. And what you've really done is just gone through the motions in your head, done some intellectual gymnastics, and moved on. So we're going to go old school this morning, and we're going to open up the altar. We're going to open up the front of the room, and if, you, if you're here and you would say, you know what, I need to get in the river, I believe, come on, come on, speaking prophetically this morning, that there's a river that flows. There is a river that flows in the house of God. And I want to encourage you to either come forward and get in the river by yourself. Come on, something happens prophetically when we get out of the space that we're in and we go somewhere else. If you need space by yourself, and I don't care, man, woman, or child, I don't care if you're tough, I don't care if you're a staff leader, elder, small group leader, servant, whatever, I don't care who you are. There's a river, come on, you need to get in the river. Maybe for you it's, I need to get in the river, but I need, I need to tell somebody I need to get in the river. Ministry team, awesome, go there. Let them pray with you. Let them get in the river with you. And here's my encouragement to you this morning. And then I'm shutting up and praying and we're going to move on. There is a better than likely chance. There is a better than likely chance that you're going to come forward. You're going to be mad at me the whole time. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. 
You're going to think I'm a jerk. You're going to know I'm a jerk. And you're going to come up here. You're going to kneel down. You're going to stand up. And nothing's going to change. And I'm still asking you to come. Because I don't know when the seventh time comes, but I know when the seventh time comes, it changes everything. And the only way I know to get to the seventh time is from the, from the first time to the second time to the third time through the fourth time through the fifth time through the sixth time and into the seventh. I don't If I had another way for you to get there, I would tell you, but I just have to ask you, will you get in the river one more time? Because what if this is the seventh time? Wednesday was the fifth anniversary. I don't have time for this. Wednesday was the fifth anniversary of my, my physical heart being healed. Five-year anniversary. And I've shared this story with y'all before, and some of you have questioned me. Some of you have taken me out to lunch and been like, that doesn't make theological sense, to which I say, you're right. I raised my hand with zero faith that I would be healed. I've shared the truth is I was tricked into raising my hand. The prophet said, God wants to heal somebody's shoulder. I have a bad shoulder. I raised my hand. As I raised my hand, he said, no, it's actually a heart condition. I said, you suck. Because I know what it is to be done going to the altar. And I know today's just a Sunday. It's just another Sunday. And you just came here to check off the box of go to church on Sunday. And I just came here. I just, I just worked all week to check out the box of preaching a message in the gospel of John. But, but Holy Spirit apprehended this Sunday and said, this is a Sunday to get in the river. And I don't, I hope you hear me. I don't care who you are. Just get in the river. I know it's embarrassing and I know it's, it's exposing, but get in the river. So Holy Spirit, be the river. We need you. We don't need better teaching. The problem, we will confess. I will confess. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. So soften the soil of my heart. Spirit of the living God, speak the words of beloved identity over your people today and don't ever stop speaking them we repent as a people for wanting to hear another word we we repent we don't mean we 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 wail in sorrow we change our mind we don't need another word we need another dunk in this word we don't need to move on. We need to move deeper into this. Spirit of the living God, be the river. Be the river. Baptize us afresh and anew in the river. We break off numbness and frustration and we cry out I prophesy tears coming back to your people today I prophesy tenderness 
coming back to your people today. We dunk again in the river. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. But I failed, but I messed up, but I went right when I should have gone left. You are my beloved son. With you, with you, with you, with you, I am well pleased. Not just a little pleased, I am well pleased.